Hello and welcome back to episode 15 of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. This is the show where each week we read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk about the characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Moon Knight show that premiered on March 30th. Yes, this past tense now. We'll also be discussing comic history, comic reading, and other Moon Knight-related news. My name is Dwayne, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey. Afternoon, Dwayne. Good to see you. It's, it's you know, we've d- done a couple of these this week, so it's... Uh, That's true. It's, it's Getting it, to be old hat, right? Yeah, we're, we're so. getting back in, into the swing of things uh, again so soon after, after our last episode. Uh, as I noted, the TV show is now underway, but we still have plenty of comic books left to go through. This week, we see Moon Knight continue his work as a secret Avenger, and he seems to be spending so much time with other heroes that he starts to imagine them even when they aren't there. Uh, we'll get to what that means here in just a little <laughs> bit, but let's, we've, we've, we've got some uh, MCU Moon Knight news to talk about first. Uh, We covered our thoughts on the episode in episode 14, so if you want to check out what we had to say about episode 1, you can uh, jump back and and listen there. And we will have a new episode out this Friday where we share our thoughts on episode 2. Episode 1 was a lot of fun, though. Enjoyed it. Looking forward to more. it, It was. It was great. And apparently... There was an Easter egg in there you 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 heard about and pointed me to uh, that ended up leading to a, uh, the ability to read a digital comic book for free. Yep, Werewolf by Night 32, hanging out in plain sight in there. You just had to find the QR code. So it's kind of a neat thing to do. I don't think I'd ever seen that before in a, in a show. So pretty, yes. pretty cool. So we'll have a link to the article uh, in the Nerdist that talks about it. There was a basically a QR code in the museum uh, that you could kind of scan, uh, and and when you did, you got pointed to a website uh, and got got to read an issue. And it looks like there might be more issues that are going to be available in that same spot over over the run of the miniseries. So uh, you might want to bookmark that so you have access to it. Cool. Next up, we have an article on Gizmodo uh, from the Moon Knight directors of this week's episode, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Uh, They did an article with The Hollywood Reporter, and they're promoting some big, quote-unquote, a big swing coming, uh, which sounds kind of interesting. Um, Moorhead specifically said that episode four contains, quote, a big mind bending swing that makes you reconsider some of the stuff you've seen. Yep. (laughs) Sounds sounds interesting. Uh, there's, there was another, there was another quote that in the, in that article from, uh, from Aaron Moorhead that said, Moon Knight is at its best when it's mind-bending. The excitement of opening something up and seeing something you haven't seen before was one of the reasons that we wanted to do this. So I I, I think that makes sense. Uh, based no. on, the, on the books that I've read, it feels like that's exactly where Moon Knight is at its best. And so the fact that the directors of a couple of these episodes get that, I think, is, is really encouraging. 
Nope. So it's probably a good segue into one thing I did want to mention, though, and that is yeah. that there are some books you haven't read, right? And that the, the listeners to the podcast, if they're not longtime uh, and current Moon Knight fans necessarily, may not have read. And with some of the revelations that came out during the, the first episode and some of the things we're seeing, uh, it looks like a run that I was thinking would probably be a little bit of a, an adventure for them to try in the very first introduction of Moon Knight might actually turn out to be something that they're going to draw a lot of stuff from. So the Lemire run, which is coming up here in the, in the near future, we've got basically this week, and then we've got next week, and the week after that, we're going to be dealing with the Lemire books, looking at the Lemire books. It's very interesting because depending on what they do, we could have almost like this collision of reveals that sort of all dovetails together and would potentially just melt your mind. So we're going we're gonna to see how that goes. <laughs> okay. Because uh, there's some crazy stuff that happens in that one. And because of the, you know, the fact that Amit has been revealed as sort of an important character in here, because of the fact they've put out a new Infinity comic on Marvel Unlimited that just released a while ago that essentially is a reprint of the Lemire run called Welcome to New Egypt. It's an, it's an Infinity comic. Certainly they made it to make it easier to, to read uh, on uh, phones and tablets and things like that by essentially just making it a big scrolling comic. It's almost certain at this point that there's going to be some things there that are going to be important to us. So, yeah. remember way back in the day when I was hoping this would premiere, like, in May and we'd have our chance to get everything done and then nice and relaxed? Well, this could be an adventure. But nonetheless, just so you know, I, my original rule was sort of, you know, the we don't really talk about the Lemire run because we don't want to get into that uh, early. But I think that... Just to let everybody know, there is some stuff coming that is going to be interesting. So watch out in the next couple weeks and, and be prepared for that. So it does concern me, by the way, because that run is kind of a deconstruction in some ways of some of the things that Moon Knight's about. And I think that it may be... My thought was they were going to construct the character before they deconstructed him. But it looks like that might not be where it went. So... Anyway, that's all I'm going to say. And then we'll, we'll leave you with that ominous beginning to things. But, uh, it's, it's like, the, like the, the warning signs on the yeah. side of the road as you drive on, slowly towards the cliff. On, on, on the plus side, it's a spectacular series. Okay. Jeff Lemire is a really talented writer, and it's, it's good stuff. I have no argument with them wanting to, to adapt it or to use some of the ideas in it. It's just... We'll see how see how this all goes and and how it works for people who are new to Moon Knight. Um, so, anyway, there we go. What? Uh, what do we have to talk about? A paper comics this week. Uh, two things. The first off is issue ten of Moon Knight actually comes out at your local comic shop. Um, if you're interested in grabbing a copy or in checking out some of the other stuff that's out there. Also wanted to, and it'll be in the show notes as well, just give a shout out to the website comicshoplocator.com, which if you've decided, hey, maybe it's time to go out and actually grab some of these in paper, that's a, a site you can go to, put in your address, and it will show you where the nearest comic shop to your location is if you don't already have an LCS. So um, the other thing, 
is, since we didn't have a lot of other news in paper, I wanted to note that there is a kind of a non-Moon Knight recommendation that I thought might be interesting to, to Moon Knight fans. Um, there's actually a, a company called Vault that I buy a lot of stuff from now. Just a great sort of up-and-coming comic company. And they've got a, a trade paperback that came out a little bit ago called Barbaric. And Barbaric is essentially almost like the story of this bloodthirsty barbarian guy who gets cursed by a witch so that he can only do good. So he wants to be violent and kill everybody, but he okay. can only kill people if they've proven that they are that they deserve it. So he ends up being sort of like this anti-hero vigilante. Better than that, his moral compass is this crazy massive talking axe that he wanders around with. So if you think of like Mark Spector as Conan and Khonshu being this big smart-ass homicidal weapon that he's carrying around determining who he can murder, that's barbaric, and it's it seems oh like oh my goodness, it's completely up the uh, up the alley of a lot of Moon Knight fans. So that's that's my my recommendation for the week. But right. that is and, and with that, that sounds interesting. <laughs> it's awesome. So anyway, we should we should probably move on to Moon Knight stuff. So we've got yes. a lot to talk about this week. Oh man, what is what is in the stack that we're going to talk about this week? Got we got three things that we're going to go over. We're going to talk first off about Onslaught Unleashed, which is a four-issue miniseries that was kind of involved with the whole Onslaught storyline and Returns of Onslaught and that sort of stuff. Um, we've got Moon Knight, Volume 6, number 1 through 12, and we've got Secret Avengers, number 16 through 21. Um, so we're going to go through and do a summary of everything that happens to this, talk about general themes and events, Keep in mind that these books are all somewhat concurrent. Every one of them was published, or most of it was published, sometime in 2011. Uh, the Onslaught story starts at the beginning of the year and goes from February to May. Moon Knight Volume 6 then kicks off in May and heads for about a year into 2012. And Secret Avengers number 16 to 21 is going on from like August of 2011 into January of 2012. So we're going to cover them in roughly chronological order, starting with Onslaught, moving into the Moon Knight books, and then going to Secret Avengers. But keep in mind that in actual fact, if you were reading at the time, these would all kind of be muddled in together a little bit, because the Secret Avengers stuff would all be kind of interwoven with the Onslaught and Moon Knight books. So... There we go. Inter interesting, interesting. I, I was wondering, like, I'm seeing some of the dates, and I'm wondering how some of this worked as far as as ordering goes. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around the idea of basically two different stories happening at kind of the same time, uh, mm -hmm. involving some of the same characters, and and I that seems to be relatively common. Um, it, it does happen from time to time. And Lucky for so, you, don't read like Batman or Spider-Man or something because there are occasionally like seven or eight different storylines going on concurrently. They're in all of them and there's no possible way that they could do all of those things. So okay. Well, it's just let's, best not to think about it. Let's all right. On. So let's, let's start out with Onslaught Unleashed then. Sure. So, so this is actually a four-issue series. Moon Knight continues on as part of the Secret Avengers in this. And the team actually gets called out to Columbia 
and finds this large sort of abandoned rock sump facility that somehow ended up creating a tear in reality, which happens more often than you'd think in the Marvel Universe, by the way. It's, it's kind of strange. Uh, on the other side of this tear is the negative zone, which is where Onslaught had been trapped in previous adventures. Um, Onslaught himself is this ridiculous comic creation, which is essentially a merging of sort of the personalities and power of Charles Xavier and Magneto that then turns into this sub sort of super, super villain that tries to take over everything and destroy the world and all the rest. And he's, he's come through a few times. There have been some really large storylines uh, made around it. So, but explaining his whole deal well beyond the scope of the podcast. In actual fact, if you, if you saw at the end of the first story, there was literally seven pages of mostly text yeah. dedicated to explaining who Onslaught is. You've never seen anything like this before. It's, it, it's it a was, book. It was, it was, yeah, it was like literally like the Cliff's Note, Cliff Notes version of Onslaught from the beginning as like, because this ends up being like a 32 page book. The like the last eight pages of this book are just all this backstory on yep. who Onslaught is and the various times that, um, that, that it's threatened basically the universe and yep. what had to be done to stop it. Yeah, Onslaught, Onslaught just sort of makes my head hurt. So we'll just we'll just assume he's there. He's he's the big yeah. bad, right? Um, anyway, what he's doing is he's using this opening, and then trying to lure back a character called Nomad, the girl without a world, who was involved in the Onslaught saga back in the day. By taking over her body, he's then going to allow himself to come back to Earth. There's a big fight. Secret Avengers team up with the young allies, which is Nomad, Toro, Gravity, Firestar, and Spider-Girl. So the young allies are there trying to defend their teammate against being taken over by Onslaught. They finally manage to push him back, but only after Nomad ends up sacrificing herself. Um, it's a kind of a classic big team-up sort of story against a big bad and the like. Um, but it's written by Sean McKeever, had art by Philippe Andretti, uh, and then Ricardo Turchio and Dave Lampier helped, did the work on colors and letters. Um, what did you think of this book or these series of books? I think the story was actually really good. I, I had never heard of Onslaught before, and, and I apologize if I'm showing just how not comic book centric no. I am by not knowing who, who that was. And I actually read... I. I got through most of, but I started to get fatigued going through the uh, the backstory book part of the book. But I got the gist of why this why this thing is so bad. But this felt like an epic story. This felt like an Avengers type story. It was interesting. I had not really heard of the Young Allies before, and so that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Toro gets abducted which causes Nomad to go seek out Steve Rogers to help in all this. And they're like, oh, hey, we're already down there. We'll, we'll, we'll help out. And he's like, don't come down here. Don't come down here. And then, of course, as, as any, any child that you tell not to do something or, or, or teenager, uh, she does. And bad things happen as a result. But I, I liked the story. I absolutely loved the art in these books. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a lot of straight lines, sharp edges, bright colors. 
the at the the images of onslaught itself were very abstract and and really interesting and i i i just i loved the art on this so a good story great art uh i i really liked it very cool so so for folks who haven't read it um if you are if you if you're a comic fan the the covers are actually done by Humberto Ramos, who's done a lot of stuff in, for Marvel and, and, and the like. Um, and the art inside kind of has a little bit of a Ramos kind of look. For those who aren't, yeah, it is a very abstracted, angular, there's a lot of shadows and, and the like, but it really flows well. And, and it's got kind of a spooky, sometimes there's like pictures of the kids and they've just got these red eyes because there's a bunch of kids who've been taken over and are part of the, mm-hmm. the army that they've got to fight off type of thing. Um, really, really nice art. I enjoyed it. Um, I also have to say that this may have been one of the best characterizations of Moon Knight within a team that I've ever seen. Because it's obvious that everybody else on the team is not quite sure they trust him because they think he's a little crazy. But he himself is almost like self-deprecating about knowing that everybody thinks he's crazy. And... Mm -hmm. When it really comes down to it, they can depend on him. He does a nice job of, there's some, you know, the, the young allies are, are basically a bunch of kids. And he does a good job of kind of working with them and trying to help and take care of them. Um, he's, he's still Moon Knight, right? In that when it comes right down to it and they're like, you know, the girl's got to sacrifice herself to save the, the universe. And Captain America's like, no, we'll find another way. Moon Knight's, well, actually, maybe we should just, this is a good trade. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's much more pragmatic still about it. That yes. he's, he's like, this is a one for billions. Let's just take, take the win. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that in this one, they got really kind of how Moon Knight might actually operate within a team, still being a useful part of the team, but still definitely being Moon Knight. Right. Yeah. I no, I definitely see that it, it did. He didn't just kind of fade into the background with all the other kind of nope. background things. Like it, it felt like he had a role in this yep. team in this book, which is when we've seen him in teams before. It hasn't. It it, it it's felt like they tried to shoehorn him in to a team, and it hasn't really worked in a way that that it felt like the character was still the character that we knew when he's on his own. And exactly. And yeah. The, the, the idea that, that all these other characters, if they're familiar with him and what his past has been, they should be like, this guy is freaking nuts. Yep. I don't know why he's on the team. Um, but, but yeah, I think you, you have a note here that basically, uh, Roger Rogers trusts him, so I guess we're gonna trust him as well. It seems yep. to be the the sort of uh, overarching theme on this, but that doesn't mean they're not wary of him. But that is literally the only reason any of them, in almost all of the Secret Avenger books, they're like, "Why are we putting up with this guy? He's insane." And they're like, "Well, Cap says Cap says he's okay." So, and then that's just the end of the argument. Nobody argues with that. It's, that's that is a that's a trump card right there. So. But that's really it. I mean, these were not books where Moon Knight had a huge role, but I do think they were entertaining, and he he was, yeah, a useful part of it. They were an interesting read for a Moon Knight fan because you got to see a slightly different side of him um, while still definitely being true to the character. 
Yeah, and and like I said, the art in there is quite good too. And it's definitely, I think, the first time we've seen that style of art with with oh, yeah. Moon Knight before. Yep. Yeah, definitely. All right, next up is Moon Knight Volume 6, Issues 1 through 12, which is an entire single story across this entire volume. So there, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot to, to, to uh, go over in this. So uh, the story starts out after he's, after he's completed his time with the Secret Avengers, Mark Spector returns to the West Coast and launches a successful TV show entitled Legends of the Conchu, which are which is based on his real life past. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to think about that, but okay. Yep. Uh, Moon Knight is approached by Captain America, Spider Man, and Wolverine, or so we think, with concerns of increased criminal activity, and suggests he looks into it. Moon Knight does and stumbles upon uh, an illegal exchange of an Ultron body. Uh, Moon Knight then takes the head of the Ultron during a fight with Mr. Hyde and decides to find out who, who who's going around trying to get an Ultron head or Ultron body. Uh, turns out Captain America, Spider-Man, and Wolverine are not actually talking to Spectre, and instead it is his personalities uh, just all trying to guide him into being the best hero he can be. Uh so his initial attempt to uncover this new kingpin of L.A., Moon Knight, dressed as Spider-Man, gets bested by Snapdragon, who is the kingpin's second-in-command, and in doing so, also blows the cover of former Avenger Echo, who is working undercover uh, for Snapdragon. Uh, they're able to escape. So that's, that's the first couple books. Yep. So we got got a few things. First off, I mean, Ultron, obviously. We've seen Ultron. You know, there are no strings on me and all of that. He's he's still sort of like the massive super intelligence. He's still crazy. And he still wants to destroy all of humanity. That's kind of his thing, right? So, wait. Way to go, Tony Stark. And, and others, actually. <laughs> Hank Pym's got a lot to do with this in the comics. So we, don't, we can't just blame Tony Stark anymore. Um, but... Ultron, though, is is there and is essentially taken apart and disassembled. So the body is with whoever our bad guy is that we haven't found out about yet. And then he's got the head now. Um, We also see Snapdragon, who is a character who has not made a lot of appearances, but she actually debuted in Marvel Fanfare, I think number 13, 12, something like this, back in the day. Had actually beautiful George Perez art in that book. And she's been occasionally someone that you see, not to be confused with Moondragon, who's in with the Guardians of the Galaxy every once in a while and some of the cosmic stuff. Uh, this is a different character. She's mostly a Black Widow villain when she when she appears. Uh, and then Echo, we'll see and talk about, because she is a character created by Bendis, who spent a lot of time in Daredevil and is... Actually, for those of you who maybe recognize the, the name or the character, she was one of the antagonists in the Hawkeye series last fall. She's the, the, the deaf woman who's trying to avenge her father and the like. Um, so, got a bunch of characters coming in, a bunch of characters we haven't seen before in Moon Knight. So kind of expanding things out as he moves to L.A. And uh, everything's going just great so far. So, 
reference. The the whole idea of Moon Knight's personalities manifesting themselves as other Avengers is yeah. to me really crazy. Like yep. and 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 not obvious to me either cuz I like I read the first book and it didn't dawn on me that w- w- was going on. I read the intro to book 2 and the way they 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 basically said his personalities are supplemented by by you know Captain America, Spider Man, and and Wolverine, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, well, that's a really weird way of saying that. Okay, and then by the end of book two, when he's dressing up as Spider Man, and Snapdragon and 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 her girls best him, and then she's like takes off his mask and like starts to pull away his his costume and sees that he's wearing the Moon Knight costume under the Spider-Man costume. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, what is going on here? He's he's not healthy right now. Uh, but it's interesting because Khonshu's completely gone. Yeah. Right? We don't hear anything from him. Uh, essentially been replaced. The, the new voices in his head are these three sort of competing voices of Captain America and, uh, and Spider-Man and Wolverine, who all are giving him different advice. Like, Wolverine right. is basically like, just kill them all the time. He's he's sort of the Conchu figure. But now yeah. you've got sort of the good angel, too. You've got Spider-Man, who's being more like, let's, you know, he's he's got more interesting sort of ideas and the like, and he's he's got the, the romantic, hey, maybe you should, you know, try and, try and kiss Echo, and that sort of thing. And then you've got Captain America, who's kind of got more of the responsible answers and let's do the right thing and stuff like this. So he's got all of these different people wandering around in him now giving him advice. And at different times, he then tries to use the weapons and sort of the tactics of each of them as he sort of is following their way of doing things. So. Yeah, and, and and like the fact that he's kind of following the 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 advice of these three very different like personalities in his head makes him look absolutely nuts when it, because he's like there's no rhyme or reason necessarily yeah. uh, and occasionally he's talking outside. to himself yeah. and people can see him talking to himself when there's yeah. nobody there so that doesn't help either no. so all right so we continue here eventually they attempt to lure out this kingpin uh who we find out is out nefaria uh, they try to lure him out of hiding with promises of this Ultron head that, that, that Moon Knight has taken, but Nefaria escapes the trap and gets away. Snapdragon, though, does get captured and gets turned over to the police and comes clean about the Count and, and that, you know, he's, he's the bad guy they should be looking after and that sort of thing. Moon Knight and Echo continue to pressure the Count to reveal himself by hitting his various holdings throughout the city. The Count eventually does confront Moon Knight and Echo during an issue-long battle. I think it was like issue number eight or Mm -hmm. number nine. The Count, during that fight, kills Echo with his disintegration eye beams. Moon Knight ends up getting hurt quite bad and ends up in the hospital and has to be uh, rescued by his ex-shield confidant, Buck Lime, uh, before the police can come and take him into custody. And then while that's going on, uh, Count Nefaria's daughter gets summoned, a mercenary by the name of Madame Mask, uh, and is tasked with trying to find Moon Knight and the Ultron head. Sure. So. So, yeah, we, we get to see a little bit. 
of, you know, some some new characters. So Madame Mask started out as kind of an Iron Man villain. She's been around for a long time as well. Um, this was interesting because, I mean, seeing Echo killed like that, and she was killed, like, there's a there's a hole in her chest probably, like, well, heart-sized, essentially. He, yeah. He disintegrated her heart, right? Uh, we see her later, in fact, on a slab in the morgue. So she is she is very dead. This is really unpleasant because, for one thing, Bendis created the character, and uh, Echo had been a character that I'd liked for a long time. No idea why he would do this to his own character. Now, there were some people who said he didn't like other people playing with his toys, but it still seems weird that he would kill a character that he'd created and that he and Maleve had invested as much time into as they had Echo in the in the Daredevil books. So that was that was really unpleasant. Um, it's also unpleasant because then that becomes, as we see in the in the last part, sort of Moon Knight's initiative to go out and you know defeat Nefaria and the rest. And this whole sort of um Gail Simone, who's a comic writer now, back before she broke in, she had a website talking about women in refrigerators. And it was this idea that all too often in comics, you had these situations where girlfriends or pe- women who were important to the main male superhero character would be killed off uh, or somehow or another suffer some sort of trauma simply to sort of, you know, lead the hero's progress forward. And this is a rather extreme case of that, in that we're actually losing a, you know, a, a very viable superheroine character who's, you know, she's she's deaf and a minority as well, so that you've yeah. got a... Um, character like that being just sort of dispatched for no particular reason is really kind of weird so um but there you go that's that's what happened i i i actually had grown to really like that character this is the first time i've seen this character and to see her killed off during that during that battle uh yeah, it 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 kind of it kind of hurt, and the and the subsequent seeing her in the morgue, uh, yeah, it it did not did not sit well with me. It, it it felt it felt really bad. So so happy ending to the story. Evidently, you and I weren't the only ones who thought this was kind of not a great idea. So about four years from now, she just turns up in a Daredevil annual. Hanging out at a like a, a music concert someplace, and no explanation is given for why she's alive, but something <laughs> happens where there's like a something people being like sub, uh, taken out by sound waves. She's like, "Oh no, Daredevil! I've got to go and save him." So she goes and finds him and puts headphones on him before the sound waves get to him. And you know how she outpaced the sound waves to get to him is probably best not discussed. But um, <laughs> but yeah, essentially. Um, I, I went and looking for exactly how she came back, and the only, probably the best answer I found on Reddit was the world just collectively decided Bendis's Moon Knight didn't happen, and and I think that may be it. So we just <laughs> we just sort of forget about this entirely. But but yeah, she's back now. Um, there is there was no answer though as to why, no one's ever given one, and I don't think anybody asked too much about it. We were all yeah. just sort of like, yeah, that's okay. I, I so, I'm happy to have the character back, yep. so let's let's just move on. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so the last bit of this story, Madame Mask, 
uh, tracks down Mark Spector and Buck Lime and takes the Ultron head uh, from them and kind of injures Lime in the process. Uh, but before she can get the head back to Count Nefaria, Moon Knight and Lime confront her and stop her and end up killing her. Uh, meanwhile, the police, the L.A. local police, are uh, attempt to arrest, arrest Count Nefaria. Uh, he does return to the police station, uh, but then basically realizes, hey, I'm, a, I, I'm this like really powerful being and, and I'm going to basically just destroy everybody and starts wreaking havoc in the police station. Moon Knight shows up and attempts to stop him on his own. He's unable to do so. But the two eventually end up outside and where we find basically the entire roster of the actual Avengers waiting there to take him down and end the threat. So it it went from seeing three Avengers in his head to seeing like the entire roster upset that Echo has died coming and taking down uh, Count Nefaria. In, in fairness... Really, it was just one punch from Thor, basically, yeah. is what it took. The rest of them just kind of hung, hung around and looked imposing, but, you know, they, they didn't actually do anything. Um, are you sure Madam Mask is dead? I don't... I don't... I... I no. mean, they, they claimed she was dead. I, I guess I did not see the body. No, I think he... I think he knocked her out. Madam Mask is a pretty big character. I don't think. Uh, well, well, we'll check. I'll verify on that. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think she's gonna be fine too. Don't worry. Okay. Or, uh, but, uh, but yeah, essentially, this I guess is a classic Benda story in a lot of ways. You know, it's got a lot of twists and turns. It's got some really interesting ideas. Um, it's also interesting though that like we talked about this. You you really like this story, right? Yeah, I, I I actually think it's one of the best stories, especially a multi-book story that that we've had uh, throughout the run of Moon Knight that that I've read so far. Yep, and and here's the thing when I when I started reading comics by Bendis, which was way back in the day, like um, I loved him. He was one of my favorite writers, and he wrote. A bunch of stuff like Powers and uh, some of his stuff that he did as, as individual books like Goldfish and stuff back when he was first starting out. Um, Bendis is a really good writer. But he then started writing everything. And just essentially at some point it seemed like he was writing half the Marvel line, right? Um, and, and his writing style also is very sort of like jokey and back and forth and there's a lot of heroes just sort of standing around talking to each other in it and at a certain point i think maybe i i just had had enough bendis right so so i didn't think when i first read this i'm like oh bendis but but taking another look at it yeah this this is a really pretty good story there's there's parts of it that bother me um but but overall this i i don't know that you know, other than killing Echo and the like, that this is a story that everyone deserves to, to just forget has happened. It's actually a pretty a pretty decent run. Um, and and whatever else about it, Alex Maleev is is drawing it, which makes it kind of a treasure, right? Um, yeah, the I, art, I love his the art, art. Was, the art was quite good in this. 
So also, do you, did it remind you at all of like Sienkiewicz even a little bit? Uh, now that you mention it, yeah, I, I could, I could definitely see some, some similarities there. Cause I, I think that really he is the closest sort of um, working artist to somebody who does things in kind of Sienkiewicz's style. He's, he's an absolute genius. Um, comes from a fine art background, uses a lot of watercolors and gouache, and then also like traditional drawing as well as digital compositions and stuff like that. And it's really cool stuff. Got this kind of atmospheric, modern kind of look. Um, so Maliv and Bendis have worked together a lot. They did the uh, a bunch, about 50 books on Daredevil together. They've got an ongoing, like, um, independent series that they're working on together. Um, what's that one called? Scarlet? It's Scarlet. Um, and then, of course, you know, Bendis himself, he's created not only Echo, but Riri Williams, who's going to be in the new uh, Iron Man uh, stuff, we'll be seeing her, I'm pretty sure, in the MCU relatively soon. He created or brought back Jessica Jones and kind of the Jessica Jones TV show is largely based on the alias books that he did. Um, and, and really, my, my only problem, I, I have a post, a pre and post Bendis phase, and pretty much there's a comic right in the middle, which is Powers 31, what I, what I told you was the, the, the monkey sex issue that pretty much ended my time with Brian Bendis. Because uh, he, he had just a, an extraordinarily... Um, sort of like useless issue of powers. And I'm like, you know, this guy just is too busy. And he's doing, because he was writing about 20 Marvel books at the same time. I'm like, he's too busy to make the sort of stuff that I really like. And I, I haven't been as big a fan of his since. Very talented guy, but it's hit or miss as far as whether you're going to like it or not. So. Yeah, you know, now that you mention it, there is a lot of uh, heroes standing around talking back and forth in these books that I hadn't really even considered that much. Yep. But it's like, as soon as you mention it, it's like, hey, yeah, I bet I bet there's like out of this 12 books, I bet if you combined all of that, there's like four or five books of just heroes standing around talking yes. to each other in, yep. in like meetings and stuff. That is that is one hundred percent correct. Lots of lots of very sort of interesting, catchy dialogue that yeah. is just people kind of hanging around, visiting and and you know being snarky. So that's so that's the, his thing. The thing that kind of threw me was the whole TV producer thing. Yeah, that's it's, crazy. Is it, 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 I did not see it coming. Uh, secondly, he seems to be just as terrible a boss as a TV show producer, as he was running Spectre Corp. Absolutely. Um, he, he just never around, won't answer calls or texts. You know, people are like trying to find him and he's he's completely MIA. Show um, gets canceled and he doesn't yeah. even know about it until people are moving stuff out when he arrives at the studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the other thing that threw me off is like, so when the book opens, issue one is, is, a, is a bigger, bigger book. And they show like a retelling of the Spectre origin story. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, sure, we've seen this before, but all right, this happens, you know, every so often when they re, when, when a new series starts. But then they start calling Mark Spectre Jake Lockley. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
what the heck is going on here? And so, like, the first four pages is this, like, origin story. And, and, and like, I didn't realize it until later, but this was scenes from the TV show. Yep. He, it, it, is, it is him showing, like, in the premiere, the, the origin story of him. But he is going under one of his... Aliases. You know, aliases. Jake Lockley. But nobody else's name has changed. Marlene is still Marlene. Raul Bushman is still Raul Bushman. And and so he's the only one that changed it. And I'm like, I read it the first time and I did not get that it was the TV show. And and I'm just like, what the heck is going on here? And and I mentioned it on Twitter. And now I feel like an idiot because I didn't realize it was the TV show. Uh, but it was just it was such a cold open like that where yep. I, I I did not get it and like the only clue that that is a is the TV show is after this goes like the final shot they show from the show is on a screen in the TV during a party in the background and so yep. like you just have to catch that that meant that everything you saw to this point was was the tv show and yes. i did not get that the first time yeah it's definitely kind of and and again they've redone so many things about his origin so many times that you know them having changed it again would not have been that particularly unusual so you were right. you're psychologically prepared for everything yeah. being different again right so, yeah, yeah exactly it, it's actually really clever it's it's kind of a cool a cool beginning to it and and the way it's it's set up and the like, but I I find this whole this whole thing is kind of interesting just in the way that it it plays off of some of the existing stuff with Moon Knight, and yet it doesn't really ever engage with any of his other like old comics like you know we no. don't have any of of the previous. Uh, cast there or anything he's literally just sort of off alone on his own in in california it, yeah so. it is it, it's like this silo uh, story just kind of off on its own and like there's mentions of marlene in the tv show yet there's no mention no of her in in real life or or and then there's like a uh you know a john paul in the show i think if i remember right oh uh, probably yeah and and there's no mention of him in there either but so yeah it's 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 kind of crazy but i i i i do think it's actually worth a read and nope. and if it, it especially like it just feels like a good story that like once you if you can get past the personality thing and the fact that the, it doesn't really it just kind of is off on its own in an island mm -hmm. then and you can enjoy it for just being like cool superhero stuff then i think i think it's worth a read i would i i would have to say thank you because i think you've you've rehabilitated this in my mind in in ways that when i first reread it when we we're getting ready for this i don't know that i really thought about it that much or gave it that much of a you know real i'm like oh more more goofy bendis stuff but actually it's a really it's a really solid story i also you know it, it's weird you kind of mentioned it but as we've been reading through this, it never occurred to me just what a hopeless boss and businessman Mark Spector is. <laughs> yeah. But every every series, it seems, it just continues to, and he never he never loses all his money or he gets it back or whatever. 
but yeah. it is crazy just how many how many ways he finds to mess things up and uh and yeah just keeps plugging along so anyway but that's uh that's that's moon knight volume six with yeah. bendis and Malieve. so really is a beautiful looking comic book i love alex Malieve's artwork so let's jump into the secret avengers which oh man i have to tell you dan these were a bit rough to get through it's a little weird so these were these were strange as well because what we're looking at here is secret avengers number 16 through 21 right and just to give you an idea the artists on these number 16 is done by jamie mckelvey number 17 kevin walker number 18 david aha number 19 michael lark number 20 alec malieve and number 21 Stuart eminent i have never seen i don't think that many issues where you just have a different artist each time especially when they're guys this good i mean this is a this is an like a an all-star lineup of artists these guys are absolutely spectacular but all of these stories are just weird standalone sort of things many of which don't even make a lot of sense so yeah. um which is also strange um in a in a number of ways and, and we kind of have to talk about this and i just want to get it out there in the first place this is where we first encounter books written by warren ellis who's now also going to write the next run of moon knight we'll be reading next week and if you go in and look at the end credits of Moon Knight that just came out last week uh, on the TV show, you'll see that nearly every major comic writer who's worked on a Moon Knight book is listed under a with special thanks to area or a heading in the credits of the show, right? Everyone there is except Warren Ellis. Uh, first, this might seem a little bit odd, especially since Ellis, as we're going to see in these books, actually created the Mr. Knight character that's going to be, from the looks of it, a relatively big part of the show. However, even though Warren Ellis has written a ton of influential comics, both for independent publishers and for Marvel, that is not, unfortunately, what he's currently being best remembered for in the industry and within fan community. Um, simply put, Warren Ellis is kind of the Harvey Weinstein of the comic book industry. Uh, Ellis used conventions and his connections to engage in predatory behavior against upwards of 60 women over a period of 20 years. Uh, then, when the scandal broke, he gave kind of a half-assed apology, went underground for a couple of years, hoping it would blow over. It has not. He tried to come back at Image with new issues of Fell, drawn by Ben Templesmith last year, uh, but both Ellis and Image appears miscalculated relatively badly, just how toxic Ellis's brand still is. Uh, about three days after the announcement, of Feld coming back, the book was put back on hold, and we haven't heard anything from it since. So, here we are. Um, the Ellis stories we'll be reading this week and next week are going to be important to the story of Moon Knight, uh, but there's a really bad taste associated with everything Ellis related these days, and so just wanted to kind of put out a warning that we're going to talk about the content, um, and, you know, as far as the stories go, most people don't argue that Warren Ellis is a pretty good writer he's just evidently a so with that onward right let's uh let's now you're even more excited to talk about these comics <laughs> i would bet yeah <laughs> 
I, I but, have no idea of that backstory, but that is that is no, really, really it, it something. Sucks. It really sucks. So in any case, though, issues 16 through 18. Um, 16 is a book where the team goes into kind of an underground city to take out some pylons uh, that are evidently causing the potential for some weird energy meltdowns and the like. Uh, they get attacked. They're able to destroy one of the pylons while taking out some soldiers that's protecting it. Um, then they have to head to Serbia to investigate this weird mass abduction uh, and the, some footage of electromagnetic levitation fields. They again get attacked by a plane uh, and a semi-truck that are driven by these sort of undead type creatures. Um, and then in the last book, we see Roger, Sharon Carter, and Shang Chai fighting with the Shadow Council in kind of a maze-like compound potentially somewhere in space right yeah so I, I i i could not follow any of these stories to be perfectly honest they all felt like they were like half of a story and like i should be expecting to see another half somewhere but they just weren't weren't there it just it was really weird and like even even stuff that felt like it was kind of straightforward was a little weird like the like the, the this compound thing that that was in book 18 that has like you know the 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 like stairs going in every which direction yeah. type thing and and then like there's this like spacecraft looking thing that they escape on so it's like well are we in space this whole time i don't even yeah. i don't even know what's going on here yeah. now you have to admit though they were beautiful books. Because, I mean, so Jamie McElvey, he, he's done a ton of stuff. He did Young Avengers for Marvel, but he's also got, like, The Wicked and the Divine and some old stuff, Phonogram, that I really enjoyed. Kev Walker's doing a bunch of stuff for the Dr. Afra um, now for Marvel, but he's all, also done a bunch of stuff back in the day on, on British books and the like. David Aha, if you see the sort of the design look for um, the Hawkeye television series and then also if you if you've read the actual hawkeye comics that the hawkeye series was based on aha was the artist on those it's just absolutely brilliant stuff uh the books we're going to talk about next michael lark has done a bunch of stuff on gotham central a bunch of different things that i just really enjoy uh, michael lark is one of those artists that just he can take almost any kind of a scene and make it absolutely beautiful we've seen maliv we did 20 he was the one who was doing the stuff with Bendis. And then Stuart Enmanen is also somebody who's got kind of this crazy, interesting art style. He did like Next Wave and a bunch of other things that I really enjoyed. So the art's the, awesome. The arts, yeah, the art style was just, it, it felt different every single issue. It absolutely like, is. And, these and, these and, artists have nothing to do with each other. They yeah, are all absolutely so like, different. It, it, did, it did feel like really, really weird. Like from the standpoint of just, you you read a book and the story feels incomplete and looks one way and then you read the next story and it also feels incomplete different from the first story and looks completely different it's just like it 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 felt like i like yeah what was i missing i think i messaged you after book 18 and i'm like what is going on did i miss other nope. books that i was nope, supposed really, to be reading really, to kind of you really didn't understand what was going on I so the art style for me in sixteen and eighteen I felt felt rather similar and felt a lot to me like 
like some of the 90s Saturday morning cartoons that I used to, to used to see and and like that sounds like a criticism but it no, is not, not at all. meant as a criticism in the slightest <laughs> in fact it's 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 kind of an endearing form of nostalgia to me that that it feels that way but like right in between that is like this really more photorealistic looking book in 17 yep. that just it felt out of place and i just was like what is going on here yep that that is correct it's is very interesting so so moving on to 19 though this yeah. is actually probably one of the most important books of the week in terms of just kind of you know what it what it foreshadows because in this one uh the secret avengers including moon knight head off to a place called Samarkia, where they're looking to meet up with a drug kingpin and learn about a super serum that he's going to sell off to the Shadow Council, who we've seen a few times before. They influence a club, uh, where he's supposed to be at, kill a bunch of people uh, that are there, that are on the super serum, and eventually end up confronting this drug lord and learning the secret of the drug. Um, they light that drug dealer on fire and send him flying from the penthouse room to ensure that doesn't happen. So... Sounds like a standard story. The only difference right. is they infiltrate this place in disguise, and Moon Knight's disguise is he goes as Mark Spector in a white tuxedo. And then when things start going down, he just pulls a ski mask over his head. And essentially, this is the first appearance of Mr. Knight. And so that's kind they, of the, the main thing. They don't call him that. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't refer to him as that. Uh, he's nope. still referred to as Moon Knight from, from all the players that that are, you know, he's he's still in the Secret Avengers, so the other Avengers are calling him Moon Knight, and, yep. and when he's reporting in and stuff, I think he even refers to himself as Moon Knight, but he is he is literally wearing the white tux with the gloves and, and, the, and the ski mask and that, and, and it is... It is no doubt the the Mister Knight character that uh, that I that I'm that they reference uh, that they're referencing on the show, and I think which is going to take more center stage going forward in the run of books. There you go. Um, so basically, uh, other than that, though, the rest of these are a little bit. I don't even want to explain what happens in number twenty. Let's just skip that because number twenty is this crazy time travel story where all of the Avengers or secret Avengers end up getting killed and somehow or another Black Widow has to go back in time and reverse engineer everything so that there's a way that nobody knows anything's changed but that the Avengers all survive. And it is baffling to say the least. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting uh, in, in a lot of ways, but it is Byzantine in terms of its plot. Uh, and then finally, in issue number 21, team attempts to uncover a mole for the Shadow Console inside a Houston station of the Office of National Emergency. Um, Moon Knight is there and helps to confront two people in charge of the primary storage vault while an evacuation timer is kind of counting down. Uh, what we learn is there's a deep freeze at the facility, the mole is revealed, uh, and how they intend to sabotage the refrigeration system will then allow two creatures that are being held there to be freed they're able to escape the building uh before it's in, uh, destroyed but the mole actually ends up taking her own life rather than talking about the shadow console and somehow or council and somehow destroying the building does not destroy the refrigeration system so there aren't big monsters out 
and I don't well, want to I, destroy I, no one. I guess I kind of got the impression that by destroying the building, they just sort of killed the creatures in the process. Did they? Uh, yeah. Maybe that's the case. Because, that, yeah, there is. So, yeah, the mole was supposed to basically break the refrigeration system, causing these creatures to be able to come to life. And then they start attacking some of the secret Avengers who are in the basement, kind of checking this out while they're interrogating these two people trying to figure out who the mole is. And, and then they all just sort of escape and then the building blows up and I guess everything's fine then. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. So I'm, I'm assuming the creatures die. Nothing a big enough explosion can't fix. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. That ends Moon Knight's run with the Secret Avengers because as of issue 21.5, which comes out in a little bit after this, essentially the Steve Rogers team disbands. Um, 22, Steve Rogers leaves. Um, as of this 21 is the last appearance of Sharon Carner and Moon Knight in the, the book. And it all sort of just gets taken over and moves on to Hawkeye and a new team. And that's sort of the end of it. It's never really explained much exactly where Moon Knight went or how he got his walking papers, but he is now no longer in the Secret Avengers as of issue 21 is his last one. Hey. I, I was wondering about that because, like, the entire run of books in this series, there's 39 of them, and we yep. just sort of stopped at 21. We had this story, which, I mean, it it, it was a fine, mm -hmm. fine story. It wasn't wasn't best, wasn't worst, any any of that stretch of the imagination. But there's like, there was no sort of hint that he was leaving or that anything was changing, and just. All of a sudden, no more, nope. no more Moon Knight in the Secret Avengers. Maybe another reason to celebrate the the onslaught books. Maybe the first title Moon Knight's ever been in as part of a team where he hasn't been fired before the book actually ends. <laughs> That's he, he true. It, he made it through to the end without uh, without getting kicked off the team or quitting. So it's an accomplishment we should celebrate for him. So there you go. But so that's our that's our stack for this week. Um, what did you think, sir? What, uh, how'd these go over for you? I, <laughs> I, I did not like 16 through 18, like at all. Those stories were, were really rough and I just did not know what was going on. The, the 19th through 21, those three stories actually were, were very solid, very interesting stories. No. They, they, they worked well. I, I was, uh, you know. I think last week I was under the impression that we were going to see more of Mr. Knight than just him in this one one comic in issue 19. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that was, I think, just me being confused as to... No, uh, I think that's my fault because in sequence I didn't bother to put them in chronological order when I put them into our list. So uh, that's so. that's my bad. And then okay. once, once they're in order, what happens essentially is that Mr. Knight appearance or the the appearance of him in the, the suit thing uh, would essentially have occurred right around the same time as maybe issue nine or something of Bendis's run came out. So by that time, there wouldn't be much time for him to incorporate the character in. So really, it's just going to be a matter of he'll be available. Uh, the Mr. Knight option would be available as of the next set of books coming up now. Okay. So, no. so, so yeah, so I was expecting to see more of him. We didn't see that, but I... I like, I liked 
I liked the way these story like these stories were played out and and like I guess I would have I appreciated the closure of him quitting uh the last group he was in and and sort of would have liked to have some sort of closure or some sort of explanation about why he's just suddenly not in this group um especially because it feels like they've been trying very hard to to shoehorn him into groups and it hasn't really worked and then in these issues like with the onslaught story and then even even some of the 19 through tw- uh through 21 it actually felt like he was a a a decent member of the team he wasn't part just of the sort team. of an yep. afterthought and, and so i i would have liked to have seen i guess more of that if they were you know if that was going to keep going but it's you know it sounds like we're moving into another run where he's kind of back uh back with just himself um so i guess i i guess that, i guess that's fine but yep um the I, I will say I think like the art across this set of books just entirely uh has been kind of the best week of art I think I think we've seen uh across several different artists, right? Yep. Where, you know, like it's one thing to to have like a, a run of Sinkevich books or something like that where you just like, wow, these are these are amazing. That would, but that would always clearly be the best art. Yes, of the, of the week but, would but, be if it was just all Sinkevich. Sh- sure, but but like if we're talking about just having a bunch of different artists doing a bunch of different versions of yep. Moon Knight, I think that in this set of books we saw a lot of different looks for for Moon Knight, and I think a lot of them looked really good and worked well, yeah. really well, and 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 I really enjoyed them. So. From from that standpoint, I, I I really liked these books. Yep. No, they they were, I mean, literally probably the the guy f- who who did the first books, who did the onslaught books, um, Philip and Andrade is probably the only one that I don't I don't actively try to buy or find everything that they do because they're just tremendous artists. So. It's uh, it was a really, really good week of art. There's no question about that. And it is weird, with the number of them that we're seeing, that you would get this many people who are all just, just stars. So, and all doing great work too, because they yeah. all turned in great stuff on all of these. So, what would you say would be the important read? the The important stories are good reads uh, this week. What would you highlight? So I think those are very different questions this week. Okay. Because the as far as Goodreads, um, the Onslaught stuff was not a bad story and it was interesting in Moon Knight terms, but it's hard to recommend it because mm-hmm. it's just got so much backstory behind it. Yeah. Even, even just like Nomad, the character, um, all of the stuff that she had going through in her background and like connection to Cap, being from another world, the previous stories... I don't know that that's something that I would recommend to somebody unless they really want to just see Moon Knight kind of hanging out as part of a team. Mm-hmm. I like the... I, I enjoyed the Bendis books. I thought that was an, an entertaining um, series. Probably number 19 is really the only one that, if you're like, I just want the key stuff for Moon Knight. 
Um, because I don't know that six really connects to a lot of other stuff. No. It's literally like he just takes another, this is like the vacation in Mexico all over again. He just kind of drops out for a while and his story and his connections to his main characters kind of just stop. And then he'll have to pick it up again um, when he heads back to New York or when he continues back on, on his main storyline. So we'll, we'll see how it all goes. But I, I think 19 is the only really critical sort of moving things forward one. Um, yeah. But, but probably if you're going to read Moon Knight, I would recommend reading the volume six entire as well because it's yeah. good stuff. And, and why wouldn't you read Moon Knight if you're a Moon Knight fan? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think it's important for like a character standpoint, though I think it does sort to sort of kind of show just that instead of being personas that he's just, you know, putting on the, the hat and the fake mustache, that there are literally like separate alt, you know, alts in his head that are vying for control of him. I, yep. I feel like that that is something that we really got to start to see in volume six. And I I think that's I I I think that combined with the fact that it was a really interesting story uh makes it something I would recommend to people. And and I cool. think it's probably gonna go even more so in the in the future, it seems like that's where we're headed headed. Yep. But uh uh, yeah, issue nineteen. Seeing seeing Mister Knight for the first time, I think was really cool too. And and that one's in Marvel Unlimited. So if you have access to Marvel Unlimited, you could do you could see that as well as the entire volume six run. So so you have mm -hmm. access to that. Absolutely. All right, Dwayne. So that I think covers most of what we wanted to talk about this time. So now we we actually had a question we wanted to ask back to uh, to the listeners a little bit. This is something we've kind of been talking about is how many Dans do we have in the audience and how many Dwaynes do we have in the audience, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Essentially, I feel sorry for, for, yeah. for, them to, for our audience to just be categorized as, yeah. as one Answer. of us. None, none of the above. They're all <laughs> uh, but, but essentially the poll question is, uh, before you started listening to the podcast, had you read Moon Knight comics? Like, is... Are, are you somebody who's been reading Moon Knight for a while and you're maybe listening just to kind of, you know, refresh a little bit on the comics or, or hear folks talk about a character you enjoy? Or are you somebody who's maybe getting ready for the TV show or just thought this would be kind of a, an interesting listen about comics and has not read Moon Knight and is learning about some of these things for the first time? And what we'd like to, to ask is, if you could, come out and either uh, post us a note on Twitter and let us know or send an email to our questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com email address, which is listed in the show notes, and just kind of let us know. Um, what is your history with Moon Knight pre, uh, sort of previous to the podcast? Yeah, we're, I, I, I definitely think, you know, there's, we, we've had a, a lot of people kind of join us recently uh, to check out the show and we're also trying to figure out, you know, we're coming up on about a month or so worth of episodes until we're going to be kind of finishing the run of Moon Knight. And so we're we're trying to figure out what we want to look at next. And and so this is 
one of the questions we have for you uh, as we're trying to figure out, uh, you know, maybe what direction we go to next. So please let us know. Your feedback is important and and uh, uh, will probably have an impact on, on what we do going forward. Very cool. So what is on tap for next week in the in the stack so very simple so simple oh we're gonna do marvel now moon knight which is volume seven started in 2014 it's issues one through 17 that's it no crazy other things or whatever (laughs) i'm just assigning you one simple piece of homework and that's it there we go okay all right that that seems simple enough i think Mm -hmm. i think we can do that uh I want to thank all of you for joining us again this week. We really appreciate it and, and love for you to stick around with us as we continue our journey through the story of Moon Knight. We'd recommend that you subscribe to the podcast and your podcast player of choice so you'll get each episode as soon as it releases. Uh, if you're already subscribed, please consider leaving us a review. It'll help others find the podcast. Uh, you can send us questions or feedback to the show via email. Uh, that address is questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And for updates on the show, as well as other announcements, or to interact with us on social media, we are on Twitter. We are at Phases of MK. And uh, we're going to be back on Friday again this week uh, with our review of Episode 2 of the Moon Knight TV show. So, a lot to look forward to this week. Um, I'm jealous of everybody out there because they either only have one day to wait until they get to see the TV show or they've already seen it and we still have three or four days to wait. So yes, yes, yes. Totally unfair. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we will be back on Friday with our with our thoughts on it. So Yes. Thanks again, everybody. Until then, take care. All right. Have a great week. <laughs>